seasoning wrap and it takes all like the the front work out of it you know you ain't gotta fucking toss all your shit in a bowl and then bread it and coat it or whatever you do you know what i mean okay it's you put it in the paper you, you fry it in the paper and then it comes out it's nice and brown and you got all this good stuff surrounding it so yeah. it, it's weird i i like didn't get it at first but it's <laughs> actually very good you didn't get it well i i you know it's just like i don't know have you heard of that shit before I mean, like I said, I've heard of like chicken in a bag where like the bag is like pre-seasoned and you just throw it in there and probably the same concept. Honestly, you just wrap it. I think the one that I am familiar with is a baked though. I I think. Yeah. So I I don't know, man. I I think I'm going to just pick up a whole box of those fucking things and just go crazy on chicken one week. I eat so much chicken. I fucking hate it. You ever do that with something? You ever have something so often you're like, I fucking hate it. Let me think. My my mom over like overkilled pork chops for me for like a long period of time in my life. Yeah, my uh, my my manager, um, he quote unquote brings a lunch, and by that I mean he usually buys two or three boxes of cup ramen from Costco, and so every day he has like a cup of ramen, and like I get it, it's cheap, it's effective, and you know, it's probably somewhat effective at losing weight, but sure, but you know, every day for the two years I've been there. <laughs> Every day, every day, without fail. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a diet Dr Pepper and and a cup of motherfucking uh, Maruchan cup ramen. I mean, hey, do you right? Yeah, I can't be mad. Do you? Whatever works. Whatever works. Why do I feel like I'm not loud enough? I, I think we we are loud enough. I think we peaked the mic. Not not yet. I actually haven't. You have. I. You know what? It's just my voice. Yeah. For sure. Is what it is. Mixed in correctly. That's a little bit better. Maybe it's just the volume on my ears. Oh, boy. We, we, got, a, we got a pretty thick agenda today. We do. If, if you don't follow us on uh, Twitters. I would say that we are being fairly productive on the, 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 the Twitters. Yeah, the Twitter these days. Yeah, I think that we are. <laughs> wow. wow, you carried that out. I uh, listen, man. I just woke up from a nap. Really? I literally hit that snooze button like three times, and I was like, ah, "I gotta go to Jake's." I should probably get up and do stuff. The well, I've been doing shit all day. And really? I, I came home from the gym, showered, ate, and I was like, oh, "That beast too gonna put me under." Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Gabe, yes. Are you ready? Oh yeah. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids Podcast, episode number 147. 147. We are back on a brutally cold day on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. The weather sucks. Yeah, it's fugly out. It's icy. It snowed, and I'm sliding all over the road. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't, like, bad, but it was definitely, like, a wetter snow, right? And then it got really cold overnight, and then Mm -hmm. it just froze up, and now it's just ice. So yesterday, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to get some of the snow up. You know, it was close. But at the time, like the sun had set, I'm like, I'm gonna go out there, get the the snow out of the way, salt it down. We'll be good. Uh, Probably about two scoops in, I slip and fall. Yeah. So I called it an evening and just salted. (laughs) Yep, that's that's what I did too. I I mentioned to you that this this fucking snow is heavy. Yeah. It wasn't no. It looked nice. It didn't shovel nice. Yeah. It was. uh, Yeah. It's cold. 
And uh, with that being said, I told Gabe also off air that I stubbed the shit on my toe early Saturday. So my whole weekend has been just discombobulated due to the fact that I stubbed my toe. And, you know, like nothing, nothing sucks worse than stubbing your toe. I don't know. Unless like getting hit. You know, that weird spot when you get hit in your hip and it's just like the biggest pain in the world. Like you like bash your hip on like a table or something and you just yeah. want to fucking climb in a hole and die. Yeah. That, other than that, you know, hey, it is what it is. But Gabe, how was your week, buddy? Uh, it was pretty good aside from the snow. Yeah. Uh, now we're here and I'm ready to get the show rolling. Damn. Gabe's ready to go. Okay. With that being said, let's go ahead and get started on today's festivities. Let's open up with Morbus. That's how you say that? Morbius. Morbius. Is that the correct pronunciation for it? Yeah. All righty. So, uh, basically it is in the universe of like the Spider-Man movies. Uh, don't know how connected it's going to be. There was a little, um, you know explanation yeah about how connected it's going to be but yeah basically this is a new uh new jam new marvel associated film uh featuring jared leto who is playing morbius who is essentially like what like a vampire uh something along those lines yeah yeah like a because i guess he was a sick guy and he uses like vampire gene to like make him better yeah yeah so um yeah uh, have you seen the trailer for this i have not no really Okay, so um, yeah, I mean, it, it looks fairly cool. Um, it has kind of that glossy look to most, like how all the Marvel movies kind of have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm vaguely interested. I wasn't totally sold on it. I know a lot of people on like Twitter and stuff were like, "Oh, look at that, that looks really cool." And meanwhile, you know, like you have the new uh, Wonder Woman '84 trailer that's just like mind blowing, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it looked fine. Um, there is a quick snippet of Michael Keaton who's playing Vulture. Uh, so I guess, like I said, it is connected to the Spider-Man, Spider-Verse. In some way, shape, or form. In some way, shape, or form, yeah. Um, you know, it is what it is. So, so I like how Sony's kind of going its own way. It's like from the people who brought you these three Spider-Man movies, the ones that were good. Yeah. Let's you know? not remember the other six. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, so, yeah, it's, it's connected. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, I guess. Like I said, kind of my, mildly interested. And uh, I don't know how I, I don't really know how I feel about Jared Leto as a whole, as far as in an actor. Yeah, I, I think people um, either love him, hate him, or like are in that like weird middle where, mm-hmm. well, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's a like a bad actor per mm-hmm. se. Um, this movie is something to be maybe kind of wary of because, uh, I mean, we've seen Jared Leto do Joker, mm-hmm. and that didn't go over well True. for various reasons. But I, I think the thing I like most about this is how we're kind of building up the Spider-Man villains gallery with mm-hmm. their own sort of origin story because we've got Venom. Venom, yeah. Uh, Morbius is the next one, and I'd love to see like a Hobgoblin film or something along yeah. those lines, or even like a, the Sinister Six getting together. Give me like a Doc Ock film. I'm sold, bro. Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting setup because now we have all these sort of like resources and things to cherry pick when we want to make like Tom Holland fight six dudes in their 40s. You know what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it is kind of interesting how they've decided to go that route and maybe explore, just like you said, more of the villain aspect of it all, which is a strategy we have not seen yet. You know, um, when it comes to the Marvel movies, we're always focusing on yeah, the no, hero. That's actually a really good point. You know what I mean? Uh, and this is kind of a new formula. And you know, I didn't see Venom. My wife said it was okay. Um, and, I, you know, I guess it was okay we'll have, enough to make a second one, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll have to see how. How this works out, and um, I mean, I'll say it again: Michael Keaton as the Vulture was absolutely fantastic. 
in the the new Spider-Man movie. So or the most, I guess the you know what, what was the name of the fucking movie? Homecoming. I'm sorry. Yeah, he was pretty good in that. So I guess we'll have to wait and see moving forward. I think Spider-Man as an IP is like the perfect kind of realm to explore all this for because yeah. we always say that Spider-Man has easily one of the best villains galleries mm-hmm. in the Marvel line. Correct. Yeah, for sure. You know, Mysterio is really well well done. So. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see, uh, but it, it does tie in because if you haven't seen Far From Home, uh, the ending of that, they imply something and there is some snippets of that in the background. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't I don't expect Tom Holland to make an appearance in this, um, but you never know. We, maybe, maybe in brief passing, like a three second shot or something. Yeah, we, we might get shocked. Lord knows. Maybe something at the end, at the very end. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, so catching a lot of attention. And uh, we'll, we'll keep our eye on it moving forward. Next up, um, so 20th Century Fox has been rebranded. All right. Um, it is now called 20th Century Studios, uh, which is literally an end of an era. I mean, 20th Century Fox, probably one of the biggest well-known, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Film studios of all time, you know, and uh, obviously one of the most lucrative. We, we all know the deal. Well, I, I think that there there was a time where it was, was it 20th century and then it was 21st century mm-hmm. or was 19 and then 20? No, but it changed, right? Yeah, it did. I, I think it's wild that like we remember 20th century and when it transitioned into 21st. Yeah. And then uh, Futurama did this whole joke where it was like 31st century mm-hmm. Fox. For sure. But it's it's weird, man. It's not going to be the same anymore. Correct. And uh, yeah, like I said, end of an era. Um, again, probably one of the more well-known studios ever. And uh, all these... Film uh, filmmakers have gotten their first chance with you know 20th Century Fox and yeah it's, I guess it's all said and done 20th Century Studios I see I slipped um, is what it'll be known as moving forward as a subsidiary of course of the Evil Mouse Empire um, but yeah man um, I just wanted to bring that up because that's crazy we we've seen the end of a giant a giant has fallen and officially we, we've buried him and we got he's got a new name and everything kind of crazy kind of crazy but there's that. Next up, have you seen John Wick 3 yet? I have not seen any of the John Wicks yet. <gasps> really? Yeah. Okay, so um, we turned this on last night because this is John Wick, and I like the first two a lot. Sure. I like how they kind of reverse engineered like a like a world around like this original concept of a guy who was just like this fucking crazy badass killer um, who lost his dog and, you know, goes out to kill the world and like i said they kind of reverse engineered like a whole crazy world around it of this assassin honor based system and things are off off uh limits other things aren't and they have the rules to follow and all that and yeah so this is a continuation of that literally picks up right where the la- oh, right where the last one left off and um it was fun man there was a i like the first maybe like 20 to 30 minutes of the film they totally strayed away from like the gung fu kind of style they just said fuck it and like it was fit there's a lot of fist fighting in this one i feel like there was a lot of more hand-to-hand combat in this particular john wick film uh there's like a like i said probably within the first 20 minutes this crazy scene with him encountering a dude with like a like a bunch of knives and like a knife uh, i don't even know how to explain it, like collection and they're just fucking throwing knives at each other it's absolutely off the wall ridiculous and um halle berry was in this film she looked she was pretty cool uh, they had uh, some cool scenes with like dog choreographed fights with dogs involved, and it was like really fucking awesome. And there was like multiple times I audibly screamed because it was just so sick, and some of these things look so goddamn painful. And uh, yeah, man, it sent me for a, sent me for a loop. Now, if you're looking for like a story with like crazy plot, 
you're not going to get that. You know, uh, I think that's kind of fair to say with all the John Wicks. You're not going to get like you're coming in for the action, correct? And the choreography mm-hmm. and the kills, correct? And um, you know, there's some there's some lines in there, but he even broke out the. Somebody asked him, "What do you need?" He's like, "Guns, lots of guns." I'm like, "Ah, there you go." He had the good do the Matrix reference on that. And uh, overall, it was it was a fucking hoot, man. These movies are fucking fantastic. Uh, they have like a like a fucking like a battle scene at the end, and it was just it was just good shit, man. And um, yeah, like I said, some really good hand to hand combat in this. And I think which kind of sets it apart from all the other ones. Because they did have some, don't get me wrong, but this was more focused on the hand-to-hand combat, knives, and things like that. So, if you're a fan of the previous two, you will be a fan of this as well. And it just blends itself in. It's ready for the next one, you know. We know John Wick 4 is coming. And um, if we didn't know it was coming, all you'd have to do is see it and know it's written on the goddamn wall. That they're coming out with another one. Good copy. We got to sit you down and make you watch uh, the two Raid films, which are the foreign versions of John Wick. Mm-hmm. Not like directly, but yeah. people is that's what they compare them to yeah per se and that does a lot of my favorite like action sequences and things that lots of like really gory brutal knife fights okay so we should probably flip-flop i'll watch the john wicks and you can watch the raids and we can compare notes yeah we could do that if you want maybe something we'll do in the coming weeks but yeah for sure super interesting Moving along, next up, we are in gaming, gaming territory. So uh, E3 is at this weird spot where Sony said, nah, we're not coming. Correct. Um, and Which is kind of weird because we are getting the PlayStation 5 this year. And yep. you think that they'd want all kind of the hype and the press mm-hmm. for having a PlayStation 5. But Correct. it, it kind of hit me um, earlier in the week that we're in this weird spot where maybe we don't need E3 anymore. Everything's so streamlined. Mm-hmm. Every big studio has its own kind of like you know we got Nintendo Direct we got the Sony whatever it's called mm-hmm. um, and, and the Microsoft stuff and it's just like well E3 is fun but maybe it's just a novelty at this point yeah I, I would have to agree on that there was a time where E3 was the biggest gaming convention on the planet and it was necessary because you got all your stuff from one spot but now mm-hmm. any company or even like us as a podcast, we can just live stream whatever the fuck it is that we want to live stream. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing. Um, now, moving forward, because I, I have looked into this a little bit when I saw you put it up there. I'm like, well, let's see. They they have dropped in attendance almost every single year with like the last 10 years. They have been dropping in attendance last year. They had like 69,000 people, which isn't nothing to like, you know. Um, scoff at. Yeah, scoff at. But, you know. I think there was a, I think Germany had a gaming convention that had like 300,000 people attend. So I, I just think that maybe at the home front, uh, maybe some of these things aren't translating as well as they used to, or maybe there's a, in America, uh, maybe a reduced interest in gaming, which I kind of feel is interesting I, because. I, I don't think that's the issue. I think that it, it's the convenience factor. Like, okay. don't get me wrong. If we planned a trip to E3, I think both of us would seriously enjoy it. Yeah. But. There's a lot of logistical work in that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of financial stuff we need to account for. Whereas we can get the same information at the end of the day. Granted, not the same experience, but mm-hmm. the same information broadcast directly to us from the comfort of our car, Twitch, our work yeah. desk, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I think that what E3 needs to kind of restructure as is kind of as like this, uh, I don't want to say convention because that's like a very obvious thing. It already is a convention, mm-hmm. but maybe more kind of fan interaction amongst the companies because if you have one of the big three one legs of the the trifecta Mm -hmm. that says eh whatever yeah what kind of precedent does that set for indie studios for the other big two you Mm -hmm. know what I mean Mm -hmm. Uh, and granted like an indie studio would need the attention more Mm -hmm. but if Sony's not going 
I mean, you know what I mean? That's like a big chunk of space that's not being used. That's probably expensive to rent. Correct. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer to, to solve their depleting attendance problem. I, I wish I had an answer. Uh, you and I have talked about it previously a lot in the past, how E3 was the king how was always what we looked forward to doing. I think June is when it normally takes place, right? Is that right? I believe so. Uh, June, and we were always just excited to open up that game informer or whatever. Just three days a week, man. Yeah, and just get in and go nuts. I remember um, when G4, because it used to be Tech TV, mm-hmm. and then it transitioned over to G4, and G4, the coverage for that was just... Phenomenal. Yeah, it was just astronomical, and everybody was looking at something. You had like the X-Play people looking at stuff. You had the Tech of the Show people looking at stuff. Um, there was that. And then, um, like even machinima, they would send a team out there and it was just like gaming madness. And it was so gigantic and huge. And like, I think, um, even before Sony stepped out, I think we all can kind of agree that it was getting smaller. It was like a smaller presence. And like you said, maybe it is the convenience of having all that shit streamed directly to your phone and people don't feel the need to go out there. And matter of fact, you probably get more information sitting at, sitting at your phone because they'll just, you don't have to walk around. You don't have to deal with people, brochures, Mm -hmm. You're just there. You can get the information that you want and you don't necessarily have to sit through the things you don't want to sit through because there is a bulk of that. You know what I mean? There is stuff that people aren't as interested in or maybe different crowds, different people. You don't have to sit through the FIFA presentation if you don't give a shit about FIFA as an example, right? So I don't know. The world has changed. Um, and it's, like I said, I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer, but I don't. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the death of the 3 I know that wasn't the intention of what you put up, but it's definitely something that will be diminished over time. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting take knowing that Sony has decided to opt out knowing that they have a console coming out this year. And, um, yeah, just wondering what, what's going on with them. Uh, I think it could transition to something kind of like how, um, you know, the PlayStation. Oh, my God. What's that thing called? PlayStation Plus. No. PlayStation Mobile. The PSX. No. They fucking. Uh, well, not, the experience is like a physical meeting, but they did that fucking it was almost like a direct a PlayStation version of that where they would just like, well, here's what we got coming out. And it's just like a 20 minute thing. Yeah. Just transitioning over from one thing to another. I think E3 could probably take on kind of something like that if they wanted to just kind of have everybody submit what they want. But I think it kind of takes away the fun of the experience. Like, it's like you said, it's an experience, you know, um, especially when it comes to those bigger IPs, seeing those things announced like on the big screen. Yeah. And I remember when fucking Kratos walked out of the shadows and uh, that one Sony press conference and everybody lost their goddamn mind. And I was one of them. You know, Mortal Kombat when that debuted. That you know, we'll see. You know, and um, it's kind of interesting. I guess we'll have to wait and see how E3 pl- plays out moving forward. But uh, you know, I'm still going to pay attention to it. We'll probably definitely have a topic, a, a conversation about it when it drops, and all the things that we're looking forward to and whatnot. And uh, we'll have to see. Moving along. Have you seen this? No. You haven't seen this either. Okay. No. Uh, so uh, they have shown what Nemesis looks like now in the new Resident. Ugly. Yeah, he's fucking terrifying, bro. He, he's a big, scary motherfucker, right? And, uh, yeah, he looks great, man. The more footage we see from Resident Evil 3, the more I'm just like, wow. They, we've gone to a, a special place in gaming where we are able to kind of recreate our childhood memories. Fears. And fears. fears. <laughs> yeah, fears. And, um, you know, kind of take it to the next level because he's a big, scary, fugly-looking motherfucker. And uh, he looks great. It's my understanding, I believe, in the Resident Evil 2 remake that they added an achievement mm-hmm. in regards to some kind of uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like a, it's not a cameo, but like Easter eggs Easter hinting egg. towards yeah. Nemesis. Yeah. So that's pretty cool that mm-hmm. they're like retroactively adding stuff in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, adding in some new information moving forward with you know Resident Evil Three. Uh, the question is, where do we go from the three remake? Because we discussed what's going to happen with four, and it's kind of um, you know it's kind of holy ground there. We got we got to tread lightly. Yeah. Um, I think after three, they should focus on making. Do we have a Resident Evil eight yet? No, right? No. So maybe we should kind of put some attention on that because if the two and three formula work and we can get two back to back games proper and like good reception. Let's translate that over and maybe take a step or two back from the current mainline Resident Evil formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to see what that with what's going on with that because, from what I understand, Biohazard was a hit. It just was different. You know, it brought a different experience to gamers, which is nothing wrong with that because I think we all can kind of collectively agree that maybe by the time six came around, the formula had gotten a little bit tired. You know, and you know, so Biohazard decided to do something a little bit different with that, kind of taking that first per- per- first person point of view. Kind of doing a little bit of like uh, Amnesia did or Outlast did and kind of scare the poop out of you, you know. So um, took a step back into the horror and a little less, you know, action-y. But yeah, um, I, I don't know. I guess Resident Evil 8 would be a big deal. Um, we'd have to wait and see what that looks like when it comes out. But it's I, I don't want them to press forward with just remaking everything. They have to innovate so, yeah. and we have to progress mm-hmm. because... Um, I don't want to say remaking is easy because it's not. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2 took like, what, four years of development Correct. we found out? Sounds about right. And, yeah. and you know, it showed, it paid off, and it was an excellent experience. Um, but, yeah, we do need to press forward because there's only so many times you can pull out a remake out of your ass mm-hmm. and have it be like socially, financially, and PR-ly acceptable. PR-ly? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think um, it's important to, like, like you said, to progress and... I think it's okay to do... T- I think 2 was okay because it was kind of like a love letter to that game. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And, you know, I think everybody kind of... Once the game came out and it, would, it did so well, I think everybody kind of looked around the room and was like, well, we got to do 3, right? It has to get done. And I think to everybody that made sense, right? Uh, after this, I don't think it'll make sense anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, and we need something new. You know, I, that's why I'm kind of really interested in that Project Resistance kind of to add along with the that game. dynamic. Yeah, I want to see what that looks like. Um, and maybe, I don't know, try it out with the next game or I don't know. Um, because there's never really been like a, I mean, there's been the co-op, but they're not like a multi, multi-layer, the, multiplayer experience. There has experience. been a, an attempt. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was Raccoon City or don't quote me on that, but there has been like an online mm-hmm. kind of attempt at making a Resident Evil game where you cooperatively fight zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't go down well. So maybe it's time to rekindle that flame. Yeah. We'll see what they can do with that moving forward. Um, but yeah. Memesis looks great. If you have not seen him, definitely check out the trailer. Big, scary dude. Moving along. Final Fantasy VII. Oh, delayed. You, you skipped something, bro. Oh, no. Doom Eternal. Yeah. Um, okay, so this trailer I did see. Um, man, what this Doom franchise has, has always been metal to a level, yeah. right? But it's nice to see that this is our, like, branch of metal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I told you earlier in the week, I'm like, I cannot think of anything more designed catered to you to me than this Doom game or Doom as a whole, but definitely this entry because everybody loved the 2016 kind of fell under the radar. But I think everybody who played it was like, wow, that was that was a fucking fun game. That was an interesting game. And it kind of brought Doom to the forefront and also kind of making fun of itself. In the same time, it's like, well, we're, we know we're, we're ridiculous. So we're just going to amp that. We're going to play 
on the ridiculous. Yes, yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get a little bit nuts. We're gonna have fucking Doom guy flipping off demons and shit, and just kind of go ape shit with it. Um, so this trailer dropped, and I think just the scale of everything, everything has just gotten bigger. You know, especially some like some of the monsters and shit they got walking Massive. around, just gigantic fucking creatures. And uh, I remember, um, remember when Doom Three came out on the Xbox. I remember that, yeah. and like it was like a horror game, like it brought back horror to a sense. And this one's like, well, yeah, we can be scary, but we're gonna fucking make sure that you're excited and want to gun down some goddamn demons. And I think that's the beauty of it because Resident Evil tried to do it, mm-hmm. failed miserably, but Doom has a different kind of prerogative because mm-hmm. you can, you you can still get really spooked by some of these like jump scares and stuff like that mm-hmm. but the main attraction here is that you go in with big ass guns and you, you know you know what this new doom rebirth did it took the place of what the duke nukem games itched yeah and that's perfect because you don't have the you know the dolph lundgren looking motherfucker anymore mm-hmm. this is doom guy in space fighting mars motherfuckers mm-hmm. and that's beautiful for sure yeah, you might be right about that. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, maybe the Duke Nukem kind of left that behind, that kind of over, over what's a hyper-violence mm-hmm. and kind of like thumbing its nose at people. It's like, well, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but this game is awesome. Wolfenstein kind of did a little bit of that too. But yeah, man, this is like the OG FPS. This is the FPS that everybody remembers. And um, it just looks gigantic and huge. And uh, the music is just fucking phenomenal. If you're looking for something to scratch your Doom itch, um, look up how the music algorithm works in uh, the Doom 2016 because it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not just, it's not like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like pre-scripted. Yeah. There is an algorithm that goes around and like kind of looks at what you're doing as a character and how you're fucking up these demons and mm-hmm. it plays corresponding. To what you're doing. Yep. That's very cool, man. And also, I mean, if you if you ever really want to get lost in the sauce, you could look up Mick Gordon's yep mm-hmm. his his making of the music where yep. this this dude scoured the, the the planet and looked for like the weirdest noises that he can find. How he can make them kind of the most sinister sounding noises? Like he, the uh, chainsaw through the, through the synth. Yeah, he he distorted a, a fucking chainsaw. How metal is that? Like, I mean, Devil Wears Prada did it. True, for sure, for sure. But uh, it, it's very interesting. And um, remember, you think maybe one of the one of the conferences he did like a live performance of one of the doom songs and like it's just off the wall yeah he has like a nine string guitar it's just fucking that, that is the perfect blend of madman and genius you know what i mean yeah that's kind of when things come together when your music director is like a hey, boss yeah i need a bausch chainsaw <laughs> also like three pint glasses yeah for sure and the guys like the guy's like you said, kind of a genius because he did Killer Instincts music too when that game came out, and that was just like banger. Yep, it was just fucking face. That's melting. the one thing Mortal Kombat was kind of lacking behind. I agree. When they were head to head. Yeah, at least I, in those early years. Yeah, because like there, you can go look back and people have talked about like their their impressions of like Killer Instinct in the arcades, and it was just louder. It was just louder than fucking everything. Yep, and that was like the intention. They wanted everybody to be like, "What? The, why is that thing so loud?" And you gotta get lost in how fucking epic it is, right? And yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, the Mortal Kombat music is iconic for sure, but it's nothing compared to what the fuck they're doing with Killer Instinct. So, yeah, it's um, very toned down. For so sure. good stuff. Be on the lookout for uh, Doom because I think we're on this kind of good wave, and I think this one will be more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? More people will pre-order, more people will buy it, mm-hmm. and revenue is always a good thing for people that give a shit about their product. Also, um, I saw part of the pre-order bonuses that I think they said Doom 64, so Ooh. maybe maybe like a, an emulated version like of it. Like a download code? Yeah, yeah for mm-hmm. Doom 64, you can download it. That's wild. Yeah, that's pretty fucking metal, dude. <laughs> and uh, yeah, dude, I want it. It's coming in March, 
And I told him, I would give her the look. I'm like, I got to fucking play this thing. This thing looks fucking insane. The most satanic thing I've ever seen. Moving along. Talking about insane. Final Fantasy VII is delayed yet again. Yeah. So uh, talking about the game that will never come out. <laughs> it just feels like it. Um, it was supposed to be like a month and a half away or something like that. Now it's like three months away. They keep pushing it back. Um, and obviously everybody's losing their goddamn mind because have you seen any footage from this? It at looks all? phenomenal. It looks fucking. It is like what what was going on in our heads when we played the OG yeah. Fantasy Seven. It's, it's gorgeous. Like they they're doing God's work with that. And um, if they need the time, take it. Take it. Yeah. I haven't touched that game in probably fifteen years, yeah. and I think that might be a good thing because I'm like super grossly interested in this. And to my understanding, they're like releasing it in like parts, right? It's not going to be one. Go. It's going to be like a one and a two. I have, I haven't been keeping up with it uh, as far as like that stuff goes. All I've been keeping up with is how it looks. Uh, but I don't. I mean, I haven't heard anything about that. So you might, you might be right. You might be wrong. I don't know. Uh, but this thing has just it, it looks insane. And uh, is it something that you're going to get, or is it something you're going to wait for? Or what's going on with that? Oh man, um, I would like to get mm-hmm. at the moment, but. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. You know, you know how I am. I'll, I want to see more footage. I mm-hmm. want to see the pre-order go up, and then we'll make a decision. Correct. And kind of compare it to everything else that's coming along, out around the same timeline. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, um, yeah. So, everybody was gonna was getting ready to jump off a goddamn cliff because it was delayed again. But well, th- <laughs> there's that old quote where um, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is never good. For sure. For sure. Moving along. Cyberpunk also delayed. Uh, this one got pushed back like four months, I think. To September? Yeah. I think that sounds about right. That got pushed back like four months. So, uh, yeah, another game getting delayed. Another one bites the dust, I guess. And uh, Well, know. that's okay. Four yeah. months is four months. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that the main city has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of shit. And mm-hmm. they need some more time to polish. So, I mean, that's reasonable. CDK mm-hmm. Project Red has an excellent track record. And I don't think anybody's too upset by it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's definitely something that we're all looking forward to. And it would be nice to kind of space some of these things out um, because, as you and I know from, like, the music release, like, in the fall, like, it's nice to have a little bit of a break in between the madness and constantly being bombarded with fucking releases and trying to keep up with everything. It's, it proves to be difficult sometimes. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see what that looks like. But before we, we move on to um, the juicy category in this particular week's podcast, uh, I guess the 10 best-selling games have been announced for 2019. Selling games. Mortal Kombat is at number five. Correct. Yes. Uh, Want to go through these real quick? Yeah. Let, let's go bottom up. Actually, bottom up. Mario Kart Eight. That you know that thing has not left top ten sales since it came out. I'm sure it hasn't, man. Because yeah, that like when you get a Switch, right? Because Switch sales have only skyrocketed mm-hmm. through 2018 and 19. When mm-hmm. you get one, what are you gonna get? You're gonna get Super Smash Bros. and or Mario Kart Eight. And if they have a Mario Party, you probably get that too. Right. Well, um, there's some issues with Mar- the newest Mario Party isn't getting any love or support, mm-hmm. and that's the core of the issue. I'm sure most people have it, but mm-hmm. I don't. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, Mario Party eight, crazy. Yeah, that thing has been out for fucking ever. I feel like too. That's wild. Next up, I'm a little shocked by this. Tom Clancy's The Division two. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, for sure. That was a little weird, uh, considering I know how badly they are struggling. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It doesn't have like units sold on here, so but it's just the top ten of the year. So there's that's interesting. Next up, Kingdom Hearts three, which I'm still ch- planning on getting to. Sure. Um, you know, no ship, no surprise there. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, yeah, yeah. especially with that second fighter pack announced. That thing's just gonna keep on mm-hmm. a steady track record. Yep, gonna keep on moving. This one shocked me because due to the fact of how little it was promoted before the game came out. Star Wars: The Fallen Order. 
I think everybody was pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad that that game did well. So happy. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11, we talked about. No shock there. Uh, Borderlands 3, which interesting. I, I thought kind of, I don't want to say flopped, but I, I didn't hear much about it once it released. I think that there was a lot of hype going into it, and then the game came out, and it was more of Borderlands 2, mm-hmm. which is, I'd say, what most people wanted. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'd have to agree with you on that. Uh, maybe we'll take a look at it one day. This the art style gives me a headache. I, I sure, can't, I can't look at it for long periods of time. I don't know what it is. It's strange. And the top three will surprise nobody because I'm sure it's the top three every fucking year. Madden, NFL 20. That's not even fair. Yeah, <laughs> NBA 2K and FIFA. No, actually, um, I don't think this might be this might be U.S. sales. I don't know. Mm. What's the number one? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Ah, yeah, I totally forgot about Call of yeah. Duty. Yeah. Um, interesting. I think sports games should have their own category. Yeah. Just to see what else we can get up there. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, no, sh- I think, I think it's fair to say that those will be the top three almost every year. Interesting. Uh, steam was having their kind of year in review sale and they will rank games according to how well they sold. And rainbow six siege was in the platinum category. It was like Love the third best selling game on steam, which is insanity. Love it. I'm also back on my siege kick. So are you? Oh yeah. Welcome back, sir. It, you gotta, you gotta walk away from it sometimes. So you it's do. just what it is. You're right. Cause I'm, cause I've, uh, I go through, I go through the, the kick too, where I don't, well, I don't watch any of it. I don't, I don't yeah, pull. you go dark for like two or three seasons, and yeah. then you're like, oh man. And then I'm like, oh, this this rock, then rock, you know, varsity uploads something. I'm like, oh okay, let's watch it. Let me click, and then I'm like, okay, what does what does Gig Fling have to say about this? And next thing you know, you're down the goddamn rabbit hole. Rogue Six, what does he got to say about this? Oh, is this year's season pass worth it? Yeah, Coconut Bras, is he in it? Like, then you next thing you know, you're done, you're in it. So I I plugged it in the other day, and my aim is god awful. <laughs> we uh, have you played like the theme park rework or any of the? I have a little it's bit. Really good, man. yeah. It's really good. I kind of, I mean. I didn't hate theme park. I like theme park. No, I quite liked it, but yeah. I, I guess their plan is to make the crap maps more competitively viable. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did you see the fucking menu update? That thing is so no. sexy. Oh no. We, we hopped on and my buddy literally immediately bought the LL elite skin. And I was like, that is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, that, and they have a new map called stadium, which is kind of like an event. But yeah. what I'm hearing, it's like a combination of old Oregon and Hereford. Um, and there's some elements in there that obviously are unique to this map and everybody's fucking loving it. Yeah. It's got like a, like bulletproof glass so you could like see people, but you can't shoot them. And everybody's like loving it. They're like, just fucking keep it, keep it forever. I don't know. My, my buddies forgot. I have the, uh, that zombie thermite skin. So when we went around <laughs> and the googly eyes popped up, everybody lost their shit. Yeah, man. They got new elite skins for a lot of people these days. And, um, yeah, I'm going to get back into it. Um, from what I understand, this new season is pretty good. Um, it's funny because, like I said, going back onto the kick, uh, every time like Gig Plank releases a video, he's like, "What? This is what's going wrong with this season." And then three seasons later, it's like, "Well, man, I wish this season was more like that season." It's just like, "Come on, dude." I mean, they're content creators. You yeah. gotta kind of, and it's initial impressions. There's only so much you can see in the longevity of something. You know what I mean? For sure, you gotta stir the pot a little bit, I guess. But I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, man, uh, it's all good stuff, and I will be back on Siege as well. And uh, yeah, so. good stuff. Let's get into the music news and reviews. We got a lot of good shit this week. Let's start off with singles. Four Year Strong came out of their silence, I guess. Yep. Oh, uh, with a single called "Talking Myself in Circles." What'd you think? 
pretty good pretty it's good it's a departure from the kind yeah. of lumberjack punk that we're used to For and sure. i think it's a good thing yeah i think they stated that online that this is like one of their they've been working on this for like a while like three three years now and they finally brought it out to the masses for people to see because I think their last release was a like an EP or something. I think yeah, it was some uh, weird thing in between, like twenty sixteen ish. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. And uh, they have another single called "Bad Brain," which is the name of the album, and uh, it, it's good stuff. Definitely not the typical. I, I would agree with you on that. Not bad though. Um, no, like- I think. Um- don't get me wrong, bands like Four Years Strong and Data Member, stuff like that, they got to have that fun element to it, but mm-hmm. that's not to say that you can't have your serious songs. Correct. That's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, they they do, do they do great work, so... Slap on, slap them on a tour with Every Time I Die and let's go. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that sounds like a good lineup. Sign up for, sign up me up for that. But yeah, there's that. Uh, that was good. Uh, Alex is on fire, dropped a new single called Season of the Flood, I six actually, minutes. I actually just listened to this. What'd you think? Uh, I was like, it's kind of slow, and then it fucking just jacks. It, yeah, it, it's it, like, <laughs> it, the best way I can describe it is if you drive a manual car, it's like you're in like second or third gear for like a couple miles, and then you just open the fuck up on the highway, and yeah. you just immediately floor it. For sure. Um, and I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy the, the, the slow ride. That was It was fine. You know, Dallas Green, I believe that's his name, has a great... Has great vocals. Oh, so good. Yeah, he, he's he's one of the more unique vo- sounding vocalists these days. He's got a great voice, and, and his voice didn't. It hasn't deteriorated because no. they are like a forty, if not approaching it at this point. Probably, yeah. I think think that's about right. And um, yeah, like you know, he's kind of guiding you through a nice little trip. The next thing you know, like you said, they fucking pedal to the metal and hit hit the deck, you know. And yeah, it takes off nicely. I like the aesthetic of their last the three, artwork. Yeah, the last three singles that they've had. Uh, where it's kind of like this convenience store or like this these random. It, it feels very middle of nowhere. Yeah, and I dig it, man. It, it's almost like what a what you would expect out of like a pop punk album cover, but the, just the way that photo is edited and filtered through. You know, you you know what you're getting into. Yeah, like uh, it looked like a was like a like a vacancy kind of sign. And then there was like the, like I said, the convenience store kind of a vibe and I forget the other one, but yeah, it's just kind of an interesting thing. Um, they were kind of radio silent for a little bit. Uh, they released, I think two singles pretty quickly back to back and then got real quiet. Now we're gearing up for an album and I think it'll be a good year. Yeah, definitely. The giants. Every time I die, Alex is on fire. Uh, probably some other big bands that we're forgetting about, but yeah, mm-hmm, definitely. And they could kind of do what they whatever they want. They kind of have creative freedom to do what they feel because they they take care of their product. Mm-hmm. And I think we're much more forgiving with bands like, you know, aforementioned Keith and Friends, mm-hmm. Alex is on Fire, um, Double Wears Prada, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, it may be a departure from what we fell in love with, but it's still taken care of, and it doesn't feel like. A cash grab? Yeah. It doesn't feel I, like... I think that's the big difference. It doesn't feel artificial. It feels like they're actually just... Like they want to do this. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing. Yeah. I would have to agree with you on that. And Alexa's on fire, man. They're, they're, they're one they've of They've been my, there. Yeah. And they've... Yeah. They've just been there. Yeah. Uh, Great American Ghost. Have yeah. not heard this. Altar of Snakes. Properly fiendish, my friend. It not returns to the kind of slow, over-your-head beatdown style that you get out of like a... Hmm, like a who, maybe like a Quan Chi necromancer kind of style. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Where um, it, it, it hits nice and chunky, and it is a bit slowed down from the previous single. I quite like it. You know I'm excited for this album. Mm-hmm. I got nothing for love for Ethan and everybody in that band, and I'm going to go see him at the Cobra Lounge. So the day of the album drop, too, so that'll be fun. Oh, cool. Nuts, nuts, nuts. Yeah, I uh, haven't heard it. I uh, heard good things about it on Twitter, though. I've been trying to be more Twitter active these days for those who have been following uh, I do tweet about the White Sox a lot. Can't help it. Sorry. Uh, really, it's a disease. Yeah, really, really excited for this season. Uh, but 
I also been keeping track with like kind of what the, the, the heartbeat of the scene, how that's going. And uh, yeah, people seem to be enjoying this. So definitely interesting. I will check it out as soon as I can. Speaking of Morbius and some vampires, let's talk about this week's retro review because I cannot believe this album turns 20 on the 24th. So we're actually a little bit early. We are five, six days early. Mm-hmm. Uh, His Infernal Majesty. Let's talk. Uh, Razorblade Romance. The yeah. What is this? The second album? Second album, yeah. The second album turns 20 in a couple days. What do you think, man? That's crazy. Yeah, that, that's nuts. Uh, I remember seeing this poster when it was like brand spanking new, hanging out like in Spencer's and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's a little interesting. Um, I, I guess let's just dive right into it because I think you and I have similar opinions about yeah. him. But uh, there's some maybe intricacies we should iron out. For sure. Uh, you can start, my friend. All right. So um, this album, I think, was definitely a departure from the previous one. This one definitely had more of like an... I don't want to say 80s because that's definitely not the word I'm looking for. But kind of that Def Pe- Depeche Mode, uh, the Cure kind of a sound to it. It, was, it had its rock moments for sure. But, uh, you know... Him has a circle, certain lyrical content uh, that we get all like, kind of recognized just by listening to it. And uh, yeah, man, uh, this album, it, it hits. It's good. There's a lot of good tracks on there. Um, I think I told you earlier in the week that it's funny that you can like hear the fact that they're foreign. Because there's some, there's certain things, especially with like vocal delivery. They were so ahead of the curve mm-hmm. with bringing that noise to the states. Mm-hmm. Well, not even to the states, right? But it, it was just it, what what was going on over in the Scandinavian fingers. Mm-hmm. The U.S. was like ten years behind all that noise, man. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just like I said, a lot of the vocal delivery that deeper, that deeper kind of droning. The hum from yeah. the heart. Definitely. Um, they brought a lot of that in this particular album. Lyrical content, like I said, we, we all know what we're signing up ourselves up for. Oh my God, what was it that I texted you the other day? I walked past a diner in the city and I was like, it smells like ham, eggs, and cigarettes. Uh-huh. And Jake's like, what hymn song is that? <laughs> no, no, no. What, yeah, you said what hits, well, no, something like that. I'm like, all in the name of love, of course. And you, you said that you <laughs> lost it at the doctor's, the doctor's office the other day. Um, so yeah, man, looking, at, looking back... Um, I love the aesthetic of the album, like the pink and the purple. I think if Hot Topic were a person, it'd be Billy Val. But um, I th- yeah, no, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Accurate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a good album, man. They have some some good hits on there. Uh, Join me in death is probably one of my more favorite hymn songs in total mm-hmm. totality of all everything they've ever done. Um, you know, right here in my arms. Um, Banger. Yeah, man. It's like I said. It's not like not a crazy rock album, but. Um, like I said, I, I can't shake the 80, 80s influence. I think that's it's closer to that. Um, not as rocking as the first album, anything they've done subsequently. Um, but yeah, definitely a good album. It was a nice little look back. It was it was it was interesting because you can kind of remember where you are when you listen to some of these songs earlier in your life. Absolutely. Uh, I remember uh, "Join Me in Death" was on the Tony Hawk Underground Element video. You know when there's like, oh, oh pick, yeah, pick a. Pick a you know a, a company that you want to skate for, and then that would would have Bam Margera skating on a rooftop, mm-hmm. and then it was the joining me in death. Um, yeah, man, it was a good look back. Um, it's there's increasingly or they were like extremely <laughs> like ahead of the curve in regards to like the emo movement because I think if like if it was if this album was released in like the pinnacle of that, they would have been like the face of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I think there's without a doubt some heavy, heavy handed influence in bands like MCR, Mm -hmm. Yellow Card, people of that general nature. You're kind of hot topic face boys between 2003 and 2008. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, What him did was that they blended this really weird cocktail of like goth rock, pop 
and just beautiful, soulful singing at the end of the day. It's kind of mm. like a, what Swan Songs did, how it was like a mixture of like metal, rap, kind of soul, funk, and all mm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just, I don't want to say it was lightning in a bottle because they did kind of replicate it for, I'd say maybe two or three albums mm-hmm. were like really, really properly good. Yeah. But um, that that's what it is, man. Whatever the fuck was going on over there and whatever they were doing, whatever drugs, whatever wine and cigarettes they were smoking that day, and they just got to the studio and created, in my opinion, a really fucking good album. Yeah. And, you know, we, we can't kind of... Uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? We can't ignore the influence that like Jackass, Viva La Bam, and the whole CKY crew had with bringing them over because, well, you know, they're a good band at the end of the day. But uh, CKY, as the band, never got as big as him was. Mm-hmm. And him, I think, had the perfect timing. They had a really good product here. Uh, their music, their presence, the kind of aesthetic of mm-hmm. the goth rock vampire. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, he comes up there, he looks foreign, tall, dark, handsome, and you know sipping the wine smoking the cigarettes and the ladies love it yeah yeah you know and and that's what it was was a combination of things because you cannot ignore the fact that if you have a good looking front man you're going to get a lot farther than if you got like i don't know like a boulder for a front man i wouldn't say that he's necessarily like he's not conventionally good looking either like you said there's like a mystery to him And, and to on top of that there's not a lot of shit we know about him he doesn't do a lot of interviews mm-hmm. he you know what I mean? It's kind of like, who is this Vila? Is that even his real name? Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I, th- I, don't th- I think I've maybe seen him maybe talk candidly like two or three times ever. Because other than that, like he's the quiet guy in the room. And even when like, he, like, he he's like with Bam and stuff, Bam's always like the over the top kind of personality. And he'll just, say like a word or two. Yeah. He's like, man, that's weird. <laughs> and, and I think that is definitely part of the appeal because one buzzword immediately when you say him as a band is just this kind of weird sex appeal that they had mm-hmm. you know what i mean and I, I think it's wonderful that it's both in the music and in the aesthetic and what razor blade romance did was it kind of put the two in one and you just you know you mainline some some good heroin with that album really at the end of the day because you have like the opening track i love you prelude to tragedy banger poison girl banger join me in death banger mm-hmm. right here in my arms gone with the sin like you just have five back-to-back songs mm-hmm. that come out swinging immediately and it doesn't let up until I'd say like more than halfway through the album. I'd say like resurrection is kind of mm-hmm. when I'm like, eh, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. But still, I think it was a nice kind of retrospective because if you look at the timing of all these events, all the MTV stuff, mm-hmm. um, it couldn't have lined up any better because at the end of the day, Bam could have really brought on Ryan key and yellow card. You know, we did that retro review last week, mm-hmm. but um, there's not that mystery to him. There's not that like foreignness and there's just this weird, you know how in movies vampires have this like weird allure mm-hmm. and people are just like attracted to them. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they did at the end of the day. And just to st- like, you cannot understate the, the, like you said, the kind of the strange charisma that Billy had, because I think if you ask like a lot of people who are familiar with him, they would think him is Billy only. Like, it's just like, that's what they would call him. Like from fucking Powerpuff Girls, right? Yeah. I think people fail to recognize two that, different hymns. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. I think people fail to recognize that him is a band. It's not, Billy Val. It, it I mean? does feel like a, I don't want to say a one man project, but it definitely feels like he's at the fucking helm of it. You know what I mean? Well, he, look look at the fucking album covers. It's just him. You know yep. what I mean, <laughs> it's it's literally he is the face of that, and he the personification of their music. I don't think I've ever seen a a music represent a person as well as it does with him. You know what I mean? Because whoever their PR manager was, or I'm I should say their promotional guy, um, 
he knew exactly what the fuck was up for sure. Yeah, because if you look at the rest of the band, they're very unassuming. You know what I mean? They they don't. They're the one guitarist is like six three and like a total beefcake, right? No, 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 no. No, if I'm thinking of somebody else. I think you're thinking about the bass player. The bass player is kind of a one player. of them is like yeah. the tall, muscular yeah. dude. Yeah, I think that's the bass player. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, and they were a band that was a long, around for a long time, man. 97 to 2017, man, 20 years. Yeah, for sure, and it was just like, you know, kind of a weird kind of amalgamation of things. I've seen them multiple times, and um, like I said, I've mentioned this before, he's not the greatest frontman ever, that's that's for sure. He sounds great, He like he nails the performance, but as far as like watching him do his thing, it's very coffee shop almost, which I think is probably part of the appeal, yeah, part, part I mean, of his deal. Not everybody has to be... Jason Butler at the end of the day. You don't got to be climbing shit and it's totally right. Um he he is working that that edge, that aesthetic. And if you look at bands like I'd even say like the 1975, I think that Maddie Healy, the frontman for that band, takes a lot of uh, you know, like outfit, social and musical cues from bands like him that sure. did it 20 years prior. I'm sure. So, uh, I don't know, man. I think we talked a lot about as a, him as a package. And not as just a musical deal because it really was at the end of the mm-hmm. day. You know what I mean? You, it was a lifestyle. You, you wanted the poster. You mm-hmm. wanted a hardogram tattoo. I almost got one this week, truth be told. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it was kind of this this big thing. And it was taken MTV. It was taken Hot Topic by Storm. And just all, like, everybody was on board. There was, like, no, you know, I'm sure there was the elitist metalheads that are like, what is this Scandinavian bullshit? Yeah. You should be listening to death. Um <laughs> But still, you know, it was just kind of this weird thing that came along and everybody was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, like I said, pure, pure lifestyle. It was an aesthetic choice. Um, it was a musical choice. Um, like you said, the, kind of the hardogram, how that works, how, what that represented, even how it tied into the skateboard lifestyle because of Bam Margera and his relationship with the band. You know what I mean? Things like that. And you, you cannot deny the fact that um, the influence that those two things had on each other because I think a lot of people uh, who aren't in the know don't understand that it wasn't Bam that made him him. It was him that made Bam what he became. It, I think it was a mutually beneficial yeah, relationship because sure. him, they weren't a small band at the time, but bringing them over to the States and the West. He was integral in that. Yeah, it, it was absolutely nothing. but And the fucking Viva La Bam ends at a hymn concert. Like the mm-hmm. season finale of season five is a, is a hymn concert. Like how perfect is that shit, right? Yeah, and he's just going ape shit. Because at the end of the day, he was their biggest fan. Yeah, he was. He just had the opportunity to become friends with them. You know what I mean? So um, you can't underestimate that. And yeah, man, it was a lot of fun uh, looking back because I know you said you, we have a lineup of albums that we're trying to retro review this year. Some of them becoming 20 years old. Maybe some of them becoming 10 years old. We'll talk about that off air. But um, this, I think it was a good place to start with the new year, especially since uh, him's last concert was like on December 30th or whatever year they ended. Yeah. So. The, uh, the two shows I regret not going to are actually both the retro reviews we did so far. Really? The yellow card. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Good night mm-hmm. tour. That's why I'm just going to call him now. Mm-hmm. And the him one. Cause, um, <laughs> whoa, know, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, but you know, you know, what I'm getting that the, the, the farewell tours for both for sure. these bands. And yeah, man, I go see your favorite bands, even if you only like like a dozen songs or whatever. I think that's more than enough to justify a ticket on at the end for of the day. Sure. For sure. Go see them because you never know when they're going to call it quits. Like real friends just disappeared off the map. I'm not the biggest fan, but they just deleted all their social media. Did they really? Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on and they're speculating that they're breaking up. So mm. kind of out of the blue too, you know, go, go see bands you like because you never know. We're people. We have mental issues. We have financial woes. And you never know when the day is going to come where they just say, fuck it, we can't do this anymore. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure the pop girls are freaking out right now. Oh, yeah. 
I think uh, is Tinley Park still in- intact? Is it burning down? Hmm. Well, it was intact last night. Could somebody check and see if Centennial Lanes got burned down? Uh, we, 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 <laughs> I, I think we got to wait for like a confirmation or like a sorry letter from somebody before they burn down Centennial <laughs> Lanes. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, so I do have an EP review. Have you checked this out yet? I downloaded it. Have not got to it yet. Okay, Pressure Cracks is a Jason Butler side project. Um, I listened to it um, two or three times. A couple of things I want to know. Uh, whenever this man is at the forefront of any of his babies, his projects, you know it's going to be quality. Here's Correct. my thing with Pressure Cracks and to an extent with Fever 333. They're both quality music at the end of the day, but I think the disconnect between the two is growing and growing. And that's a very good thing. We said that uh, Fever 333 is in this really weird spot where they're doing funk, punk, soul, political-inspired lyricism, whereas Pressure Cracks is doing the traditional uh punk inspired and that sort of east core shit i like you know granted they're from the west yeah but you know what i mean they're like chaotic noise um i i want to compare this ep to like raspberries where it has a very certain kind of texture and by texture i mean it's his delivery he very much relies on that higher end of his vocal spectrum for the entire fucking run Mm -hmm. and he has no uh well he doesn't use his variety to this full extent and i think it works well it's very in your face um and a little bit hairy like a raspberry is at the end of the day (laughs) i think it's a good EP to to keep Pressure Cracks fans satiated and Jason Butler fans to kind of hold them over for a bit. Mm-hmm. I need an album. I need a tour. Um, you know, and and I think that's what's going to take this from, hey, let's record this weekend to this is another one of my bands. Yeah. If you like the heavier elements of Let Live and sort of the uh, fake history stuff, you know, it like I said, it doesn't have that 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 light that release. It doesn't have that release, but it's in your face the entire 24 minutes. Don't get me excited, Gabe. It, it is. It's very much inspired. It has that touch, you know, and that's probably the closest thing I can compare it to. If you like Banshee, just the upbeat moments of Banshee, you're going to get a kick out of probably two or three of these songs. Yeah, that song rips too. And, um, you know, and, and it just makes me miss Let Live even more, <laughs> but we're past that phase. Um, <laughs> check it out. I give okay. it like a solid b tier okay so you know what i mean it's not a massive release i didn't even know they were up to something and it just kind of popped up and i was like let's listen to it um jason butler projects are always going to be within that a to b range you know what i mean just because he knows what he's doing in the studio he knows what he's doing with his voice Mm -hmm. and he knows exactly what to tell his fucking instrumental guys true and at the end of the day you got you got that whole that whole big package cool excellent i'll definitely check that out later in this week now, I actually renamed this segment. What did you rename it? Career in Review. Career in Review. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, because I, I, I think if I were to say rise and fall of everything, it implies that there's a fall for every band that we review, and then it's not necessarily the case. All right, so Career in Review is the name of this segment moving forward. I like it, too. Uh, so this week, we have decided to do Of Mice and Men. How deep of a dive have you done, sir? I listened to, I want to say at least... 80% of all the albums. Okay. I've definitely finished some. Some other ones I kind of skimped through. Uh-huh. I, I did get through all of them. And um, I don't know. You want you want me to start with this? Yeah, sure. I think of Mice and Men is... Um, well, let's start at the beginning. Um, you have a lot of really interesting characters coming out of Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. and it's specifically a band called Attack Attack. And we talked about how Caleb Shomo's essentially side project, his solo thing that he was doing, became much bigger than Attack Attack ever yep. was. And to have another... Two people, not one, two people out of that same attack attack setup come out with another band that just kind of, you know, 
the the rocket boosters went off on the roller skates and they kind of took off. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about Austin Carlisle and his formation of, of of mice and men. Correct. Um, the first album was 2010, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And I believe Attack Attack was still together. I don't know the whole group dynamic. I don't know if you left Attack Attack mm-hmm. or how that went down. But I do. Please uh, enlighten me. So, um, I, so Austin's always been sick. Right? Yes. Um, now, from what I understand, he was being increasingly difficult because he was sick. Um, and it became very difficult to tour with him. Sure. And of mice and, or I'm sorry, attack attack at the time actually felt the need that they, they couldn't, they couldn't capitalize on the buzz that they were getting due to the fact that he was always getting sick. They couldn't tour. Yeah. So they booted him. Uh, he was kicked out, which immediately he started to spawn this other group. All right. And it's actually kind of sad, but also funny because with the formation of this group shortly after this band started to tour, Austin was sick, so they booted him for a short period of time. They were they replaced him with Jerry Roush, who was from Sky Eats Airplane and uh, Glass Cloud, and um, obviously the performance took a, a huge like dump. But like shortly after, and then you know Austin started another band. He took Alan Ashby. Uh, he was working on some new stuff, and there was like no name for the project. And then they decided to give him another shot. So it's it's kind of it's, it's kind of it's this, fucked up. Yeah, it's what it is at the end of the day. It's kind of this whole, like whole cyclical thing with him where he like when he start things start to gain steam and then they kick him or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so this this first album dropped in 2010. Self titled of mice and men. Self titled. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really quality stuff on here, and the the production is a little rough around the edges. Where is it? Yeah, I I would say that a good chunk of scene albums in 2010 were grossly rough around the edges because it hasn't been perfected. You know, only so many bands could do it. Uh, another perfect example from 2010, there is a hell. You know, that's night and day what Carlisle was doing and what the folks from Suffolk were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's quality underneath the mud. You know, you got to kind of skimp through the initial kind of layer of, oh, what is this? And you got to kind of, you know, you, you got you to move the dirt aside to find the gold. That's sure. what it is. Because okay. there is quality writing in here. Mm-hmm. And I think that if they were ever to do like these Redux albums that like Silent Planet, August Burns Red are doing, this is the one to fucking mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that being said, like 7,000 Miles for What, this one's for you. Mm-hmm. Excellent tracks. Westbound and Down. Second and Sebring, the of My Son Men song. You know, that Those in Glass Houses. Yep, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good stuff. And then there was The Flood that dropped in 2011. So, busy, busy, busy man. Um, this was a, in my opinion, a bit of a step up. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and you know, the bit is very subjective here, mm-hmm. to, depending on what you're looking for. Because mm-hmm. some love the dirty, grimy of Mice and Men. I, yeah. I think it's all right. <laughs> um, what this album did is <laughs> they gained some, some steam. I mean, it's what it was. And this is when things started to snowball, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. And is this when he got booted? Is this right now? No, the he time? actually got booted shortly after the restoring force. Twenty fourteen. No, he the, he got booted almost immediately after that debut album dropped. Wow, yeah, that's he, insanity. Yeah, he he got booted. Um, I think the album came out. I want to say maybe like spring. By Warp Tour of that year, they were on tour with the other vocalist um, because he got booted that quickly. Uh, that's were, insanity. People were thinking at the. I mean, I think people knew who he was stick but sick but i don't think people knew to the extent and i think a lot of people assumed that he was just kind of a dick because you know two high profile exits from up and coming bands within like five years within even less a year and a half of each other you know i think people start to assume certain things um but they let him back in like i said shortly after i remember when that was a whole deal and everybody was into this and that and all of that but uh there was like again it was very much in the era where 
when a vocalist would leave a band, people took a side. You know, you're either in Team Austin or Team Jerry or Team Craig or Team fucking Rodney or Team Edward. Yeah, sure. So, before we continue on, because I think uh, I think the back half of the catalog, I have a lot less to say about. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned it. Um, there's stuff in there that is definitely of quality. I because uh, during the time you couldn't notice. Um, that because like I said, kind of a, a product. lot of noise coming up. Yeah, kind of a product of its time. But to me, this stinks of Joey Sturgis, the first album. <laughs> this dude, I can smell that weasel from a mile away. Yeah, it it stinks of him, and um, I don't blame him because he was kind of like what people went to during the time period. He's kind of like how he Will, was the fed. Yeah, kind of like how Will Putney is today. But whoa, I'm not, whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm not gonna say that he's a fad because obviously, you know, Will's got. He's got the Midas touch. All, all his albums shit over anything Joey has done. But there, he was bands that were up and coming and wanted production. And they wanted the album released quickly. They would go to Joey. Okay. Um, so that for, there's a lot of fake heavy moments in that album. All right. Uh, fake heavy just due to the fact that if you see them live, they're heavy as fuck. But the production of that does not lend itself to sounding heavy as fuck. And trust me, I was there. I seen it. All right. Um, now, with the flood, um, this is where they started. I called I, I, when I put, wrote down like the album review or whatever. I said stank. They put a level of stank to it, right? Because there was balls there. Um, and I don't know if I think Joey was probably involved in that too. I'm sure. I'd make to maybe, an extent. And this was a year later. Yeah, he probably was. Yeah, he released. He probably scheduled them immediately after the first one. Dropped. Yeah, he he scheduled them uh, like like a it was this album dropped a whole year after. I'll see you for your yearly checkup. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think the uh, the first album, the self title, was kind of just a collection of songs, maybe because you know it's it was very like, loose leaf. Yeah, very very not unconnected unconnected things. And I know there was they had some lineup changes in the middle of all that, obviously. And uh, they lost a bass player and all kind of crazy shit. So, well, the second album came and Alan was involved at this point. Alan's been their lead vocalist since since then, um, and he brought a level of brutality to this band. And uh, I cannot understate. Because we've talked about Austin a lot, I cannot understate how important Shay, the vo- other the clean vocalist, was during this time period. Because I think he very he just he differentiated them from every other band that sounded like them during the time period. Because he has kind of this high, uh, soulful kind of feel to him, and it's very hard to replicate. Not so much on the first album. I think people can kind of kind of figure that out. But the second album, he his performance was just unparalleled. Um, to me, he is the highlight of that album. Um, Austin did a great job too. Don't get me wrong. And like I said, there are some fucking heavy moments. Again, I was in the pit for some of these, so I I can't disassociate those two things. And uh, Shay really fucking he was fantastic. It. Yeah, he was fantastic during the, those time periods. Um, now, with that being said, unfortunately, I believe this is his last album as well because again, they were constantly rotating cast members. It felt like. Now I know the drummer's been the same all the way through. Uh, guitar players changed because Shay went from guitar to bass because <laughs> they kicked out the bass player. Alan, who was involved with the new project that Austin was doing, uh, Austin said, well, I'm coming back, but he's coming with me. And since they were down a player anyway, Shay's like, well, fine, I'll play bass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> he was a more he was more talented guitar player. It's just that's what it was at the end of the day. And I saw live footage, and I was there and experienced some of it. He wasn't as maybe polished as a guitar player as you would want him to be. So a good way to cover that up. Is by having him play bass. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it is. This is coming from two bass two players. Players. Yeah, two bass players. So I can say that. Um, 
And uh, yeah, the, the second album was much better. Uh, you called it a bit of a bump, a bit of a jump. I call it like a light year jump. Just do okay. the production quality, man. Even that, there's a lot better songwriting on this as well. Like Product of a Murder, that song is fucking disgusting. Like there's just so many highlight tracks on this particular album that uh, I think it's, it's definitely a bigger jump. Um, like you said, there's other things, but it is what it is. Now, with that being said, um, you know, they were, ca- they were catching some serious steam at this point. People outside of the scene of music started to recognize who of Mice and Men was like, wait, isn't that a book? And then it's a whole conversation. And, right and, and then one. the Google search terms switch up on you. Correct. Yes. Uh, and then the next album dropped, Restoring Force. Now, this is where I started to slowly lose interest, lose interest, um, because I think uh, they do have that. They're trying to appeal to a mainstream audience at this point. Um, this is where the sounds start to evolve a little less from the metalcore side and a little bit more into new metal. And I think this is where a lot of the bands of that era started to transition into this style. Some of them stuck with it. Some of them did not. And some of them just flat out disappeared. And um, this is where they introduce Aaron, Aaron Pauly, um, who's a good vocalist in his own right. We've talked about him. And um, th- it started to, the wheels started to fall off. You know, like I said, maybe from the perspective of album sales, they were getting more popular and they were doing better. So good for them. Uh, but from, they started to lose the connection to the scene during this time period. Uh, and this is where like dad started to like. Yeah, they were floating yeah. right next to like Avenged Sevenfold, yeah. Kill Switch. Yeah. yeah, they were starting to get into dad territory here. Uh, I don't have much to say about Restoring Forest. There's there's some good, decent songs. I, I went through it once. I'm like, okay, I'm moving on. You know what I mean? I went through The Flood twice. And I'm like, okay, now I can move on. I went through Restoring Forest once. Uh, next up, what was the name of that fucking album? Cold After Restoring Forest, I believe we had uh, Defy. Cold World. Cold yeah. World came in Cold World. 2016. Now, this is where they went totally like avant-garde, like, and they just started to just do off-the-wall strange shit. <laughs> like, honestly, they started just to do weird, weird things here. And um, they were experimenting with their sound. Uh, and that's nothing wrong with that. But also, this is where Austin's sickness started to resurface. And uh, you can tell. I saw them, I think, just before this with Lincoln Park. And they were getting big tours. Um, they're close. He, Austin is close friends with Lincoln Park. I don't want to speak for the rest of them. Um, but, you know, they started to catch some steam again. And again, starting to reach into that mainstream kind of appeal. And But the album just wasn't... It's totally skippable to me. I, it wasn't I, up to snuff. Yeah, I couldn't even get like halfway through it. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm moving on. <laughs> you know, I'm moving on here. And yeah, this I think this is Austin, Austin's last, last release. album. Yep. yep. And so he's teaching baseball in the Philippines or something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. I'm sure he's still doing music, right? He's doing some solo stuff. Yeah. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about uh, Defy. Because mm-hmm. this is kind of when we, we reined back the band. A little bit, yeah. We realized that we needed a restructure mm-hmm. in songwriting, instrumentals, and as an entire unit of mice and men. Correct. Um, and so I think what Aaron Pauly did, at least in this album and the subsequent Earth and Sky in 2019, mm-hmm. was it? Yep. Um, was that he said, I'm very good at X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Let's make music that complements that the things that i can do because everything mm-hmm. up to this point was very much let's cater to austin carlisle because mm-hmm. well, it was his 
baby at one yeah. point, but it is no longer. He has sold the car, and the title has been passed to the second owner. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where we start to see kind of the improvement and the interest kind of rekindle, where we're, I don't want to say back to form, mm-hmm. but it's like when you know how to box, you can kind of learn how to kickbox to an yeah. extent. You know what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I think at this point it transitions over for to being Aaron's kind of kind of a project. Um, now the fight was an all right album. I wasn't overly impressed. They had, didn't they have a Floyd cover on here? Was that, was that the album that had money on there? Let me pull it up. I'm pretty, sir. I'm pretty sure they, they did. had money on here. Yeah. So I remember uh, that came up on my shuffle, um, maybe like a couple months ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought it was a little strange, but yeah, I mean, they were, like I said, they were kind of, okay, well, like you said, I do this well, well let's try to experiment a little bit and kind of see where they can go. Right. And, um, yeah, they, just, just some success, mild success on that, on this particular run. Um, but overall, a decent album, but nothing I would write home about, right? Nothing that we would ever talk about out of the context of a career interview, right? Now, um, this is part of the setup for what happened to Earth and Sky. Mm-hmm. It, that album did not flop by any means. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people simply it flew under the fucking radar. Because I think we were at this point with Of Mice and Men where most people just wrote them off and... You know, it was like, oh, the single's all right, I guess. But there was no, like, kindling of interest. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you did a review on it, a very Mm -hmm. late one. Mm -hmm. And I listened to it. And this Earth and Sky is what we should have been doing since 2015. Mm -hmm. It is the the, the prime example of we've fucked around with our sound. Mm -hmm. We have had an entire roster change probably at this point. Minus two people, right? Yep. And let's restructure and let's regroup because our original business plan didn't fucking work. Second and Sebring still smacks. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but you got to play to your strengths mm-hmm. and you got to realize what your team abilities are. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it, it's kind of related to like a sports metaphor. Um, the last album, they were like trying to find their zone, right? Uh, but they were trying to find it and maybe they're reaching a little, little too high on a fastball when they shouldn't be or too a little too low on a breaking ball. Couldn't, wasn't quite there, but they're finding it. This album is in the, the Earth and Sky is right right in their wheelhouse, right? This is right down fastball, right down dead set in the zone, and they hit it, and they went far. Um, now, I'm not saying it's like a quantum leap or anything like that. Definitely not. But it's definitely something that I'm interested in listening to what Of Mice and Men has to say next, all right? And I've seen some live performances of them recently, and they still got it, man. They still got it. And um, there's definitely some songs on there that will probably translate well live moving forward. And uh, I think they're definitely a band to kind of reconsider. If you have fallen off the Of Mice and Men train, you know, maybe a couple albums ago, give them another shot because I don't, I don't think, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised at what you have to hear this time around. Um, Austin Carlisle is gone. He's not coming back. He's not dead. <laughs> he made it sound like he was dead. He's not, he's, he's still alive. Like you said, I think he's teaching baseball in the Philippines or something like that. Um, but, you know, he had to take his time off for his health, right? Um, he did the right thing. You have to take care of yourself. All right, the business will take care of itself eventually, and um, of mice and men is back, and I think you could definitely take a look at uh, what they're doing. And if you were a fan of the other stuff, I think you could find things that you will enjoy. To me, they'll never be better than the flood because I think that was the high point of their career, and I think popularity-wise, as well, um, it was just bananas. It was a crazy time, and uh, like you said, they they came up quickly. And um, they, they almost burnt out that candle too quick. I agree. The, no. the, the flame was a little bit too bright. And there's only so much you can do when there's very little consistency in your band's career. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot of bands suffer from that. Um, but we're back on board mm-hmm. and the train 
has started moving again. Absolutely. Um, I think the constant, maybe the constant change has kind of hindered their growth. Obviously, that's going to yeah, happen. Without a doubt. Yeah, it's going to happen that the constant, you know, ro- rotating lineups and people leaving. Important pieces, too. I mean, we're not talking about a bass player. <laughs> Sorry. Myself. Whoopsie. Myself included in all that. But, like, you know, important pieces, vocal pieces, fucking the screamer and the singer and, you know. And the creative lead. Yeah. Like, the guy who made the band, the, you know. Correct. Twice. He, he was out of that band twice. So, in this time period. So, um, I think at first they were just trying to figure it out because they had all these rotating pieces and people who are contributing in different ways creatively. And, um, it's kind of hard to stable down a vision at that point. I think now, uh, this lineup is more stable, a little bit more stable. I think the people who are in the band aren't going anywhere anytime soon, anytime soon. And, um, I think it's something to be hopeful for, you know? Um, and I think we, everybody should keep their eye on them if they haven't and get back to them because give them a chance. Um, because I think they're starting to grow again. It's weird because you think of a plant. Sometimes your plants in your garden, they're like, "Oh man, that died and it's not coming back." No, there's and then th- they leave behind a seed. Yeah, there's there's some life there, and um, I think everybody should give them a shot. That's the my soil opinion. is moist for of mice and men. Correct. So that was career review. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I thought it was an interesting look at something that I wasn't there. For. Well, I was there for. I just didn't give a shit about mm-hmm. firsthand. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Um, you got a band in mind for next week, or you want to give it a rest? We'll give it a rest because I think uh, you nailed it on the head. When if once you we start doing things like a serial, it starts to, you know, we eventually we lose interest and the quality of that coverage sure. drops. So uh, maybe let's reconvene for the first week of February because I I do have a band in mind. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. The blood. Ooh, this should be fun. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, so we'll 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 plan that in a couple of weeks. We'll definitely give it the time because I definitely think we gave mice and men some time for sure. We let it stew for a little bit. We thought about it. We talked from last year actually. We yeah. gave it a full last month. At least we've talked about it in the meantime. And the blood. This is something that I can get into. This so. is something we need to approach very carefully. Yeah, for sure. Definitely got to take a take out that magnifying glass and take a deeper look at what's going on. To, with this. to really kind of see, you know, whose seatbelt that is. <laughs> uh, good times. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's it, Gabe. We got anything else? No, I think that's about it. Um, you know, we've been trying to keep in touch with a lot of these younger bands, keeping up to date. We have some releases coming up in February that I'm excited for, and okay. um, I can't wait for those sneak albums to drop, man. Because we've had one pretty consistently, like the February March area. Like mm-hmm. we had Dispose, uh, Sanction was March. Um, so I'm hoping for some band we don't know of to kind of drop something. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Keep our eyes open for that. But with that being said, that was episode 147 of the Second City Kids podcast. We'll be back next week for episode 148. 148. And in the meantime, folks, if we got nothing nothing else for you, you got nothing else for me, I guess this is a good time to say goodbye. What do we got to talk about? Yeah, right? Other than that, folks, deuces. Oh, no. Thank you guys for joining us this week on the Second City Kids podcast. You can like us on iTunes, Google, anywhere else podcasts are found. Any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at secondcitykids at gmail.com. Until next week, folks, deuces. Deuces.